0: Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show with your host, Autumn Miles. Autumn is an author, speaker, wife, and mother. She's the founder and CEO of the Blush Network and the author of Appointed. Autumn's vision is to engage our culture with the bold truth of God coupled with raw faith. Now here's your host, Autumn Miles.
1: Hey, this is Autumn with the Autumn Miles Show. How are you guys doing out there? In North Texas, we love you guys so much. So much, and I have missed you so much. I've been traveling a lot lately. A lot of you guys know for my new book coming out. um, And I've really got to meet a lot of you guys on the road, and it is such an honor. Um, I want to get to our guest right now. Dr. Eckrich is his name. He and his wife started a ministry called Love and Respect, a marriage ministry uh, that has been up and going. Has changed marriages everywhere. But he has written a new book called The Four Wills of God. And I was so attracted to this book <laughs> because, first of all, who doesn't want to know how to find the will of God for their life? And me personally, I love to learn about what God has told other leaders of the faith in this specific area and in any area. But also, we get so many Questions, comments, inbox messages, emails from you all asking this question. How do I find the will of God for my life? And so as soon as my producing team saw this, we really wanted to have this guest on our show. So I'm going to go ahead and welcome him. Dr. Eckridge, welcome to our show today. I'm such an honor to have you on.
0: Well, it's an honor to be on. Thank you, Autumn, and appreciated your and comments. And yeah, I echo that. We all long to... What is God's will for my life? And that's that you know, key foundational question, and uh, you're, you're right on. And that's huge to so many Christ followers. What does the Lord want in my life? And that's a real tribute to their hearts, their, their commitment to him, their love for him, and their desire not to mess it up. Mm.
1: You know? Right. And that uh,
0: is to be a compliment to them.
1: Right. I think, you know, as we are traveling along this road of faith, um, you know, the Christian, the typical Christian does want to know exactly what God has for them. What have you planned for my life and how do I reach that? Um, and so talk to me about your heart behind writing this and um, just why you, you sort of chose to, to, to write this out in, in book form.
0: Well, I pastored for nearly 20 years uh, in East Lansing, Michigan, home of Michigan State University, the Spartans, a college-town church, (laughs) and the philosophy ministry was for me to study the Bible 30 hours a week. And I really kind of see myself as a systematic theologian for laity. The love and respect message from Ephesians 5.33 on marriage, I didn't intend to launch a marriage ministry. I intended to address what I felt was being overlooked, which I myself had overlooked in Scripture on marriage. And, of course, when we wrote the book Love and Respect, we did not know that it would go viral like it did.
2: Mm. But really,
0: my heart is a pastor, and I see different things. And for almost 40 years now, I've been addressing this title of his book, The Four Wills of God, because there are four passages in the New Testament that are unique. They identify the will of God specifically with an action. Now, we know there's more to the will of God than these four verses, but I have shared with people through my years of pastoral counseling, let's start here Mm. In fact, Sarah and I have been married 44 years and we'll start here again this week. We wow. remind ourselves of this and if there's more to his will than these, but it's a joy for me to be able to know that I can start here and furthermore, I'm not going to miss his will if mm. I'm doing his will. Mm. And this was such a liberating thing for me. And I also discovered that if the Lord doesn't specifically reveal to me what he wants me to do, should I go through door A or door B, and I'm struggling with this, the paralysis of analysis and the fear that I'm going to miss his will. But if he doesn't clearly reveal that, and I've been following these four wills, then I can relax because I'm doing his will, and I can go through door A or door B as long as I continue to respond to at least these four wills. I'm not outside of his will. I'm in his will, and I can have the attitude, the Lord's will be done, but we proceed. We make a decision. Mm. And that particular message has been tremendously freeing, mostly to my daughter, who wanted me to get this in book form, because when I went over this with her, she said, Dad, this is so liberating, and my peers... My peers need to learn this.
1: Hmm. Oh, my goodness. You just said 17 things that I have questions for. Um, so talk, uh-huh. to, talk to me. Uh, this is going to be one of those shows, Dan, one of those shows. Um, so talk to me about the four wills. So can you, can you kind of uh, gu- guide us to what, when you talk about the four wills, can you define what that, what that exactly means?
0: Yes. John 640, Jesus said, this is the will of my Father that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. The first will is believing in Jesus Christ. I mean, I didn't believe in Jesus Christ growing up, nor did my mom, dad, or sister. And I came to Christ at age 16, and then I was at Wheaton College, I uh, was 18-year-old, and my mom, dad, sister, my brother-in-law, who's a professor, all came to Christ. We placed our faith in Christ, and we didn't know. And so this is a very precious Verse to us, mm. that it is the will of God that we have a personal relationship with Christ. My mother came to me with tears in her eyes, rolling down her cheeks at age 53, saying no one ever told me that I could have a personal relationship with Christ, that I could know Him. Wow. So that's a very important one. Do I or do I not believe in Jesus Christ? Am I a relativist? Am I a universalist? Do I, at the end of the day, say I believe, but I really don't believe? And each of us has to come to grips with that because I take this position that when I respond to the universal will of God, these four, it triggers my experience of the unique will of God. I mean, it's very logical. If I reject Jesus Christ, do I expect Jesus Christ <laughs> to work in my life? That, yeah. doesn't, that doesn't make sense, and a reasonable person should be honest about that. Yeah. Uh, the second verse is First Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Yeah. And that's a controversial one in this culture. This is viewed as antiquated. But Jesus himself said, the pure in heart shall see God. When we walk in moral purity, things happen. The Lord Mm. responds to this. Mm. Each of us has to come to that point where we're willing to sacrifice something in order to gain God's response to us. Billy Graham has recently gone to heaven. He walked in moral purity, Mm. and God had his hand on that man in part because of that. Then thirdly, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The giving of thanks. When Sarah had breast cancer and double mastectomy, my wife, she gave thanks. She was she's lived this before me that she gives thanks. It doesn't mean you're thankful for evil. It means you thank God that He's going to work everything together for good. That you're not shaking your fist toward heaven like Job's wife and say curse God and die.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: First Peter two verses thirteen through fifteen. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors is sent by him for the, for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. And here it is. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Mm. And when you encapsulate that verse, the idea of submitting and doing right. So I put it in an acronym, BAGS, B-A-G-S. This should be the godly baggage that we all carry <laughs> around. Do I, am I believing in Jesus Christ? Am I abstaining from sexual sin? Am I giving thanks in everything, and am I submitting and doing right? And if I've aligned myself with those, and there is a little bit of a price to pay, I believe my response to those four universal wills of God will activate my experience of the unique will of God. And if I don't know specifically what the Lord wants me to do between door A and door B, and I'm following these four, then I'm free to choose A or B. Mm. And if once I'm into that, I realize it wasn't the best of decisions, I'm free to, to head back to the other direction. There is tremendous liberty in this because my conscience is free. And First John three twenty two and twenty three says, um, and this is our confidence that in whatever we ask we receive from Him. That's that personal, unique petition yeah. because we keep His commandments and do the things that are pleasing in His sight. That's the doing of the universal wills of God. So again, there's more than these four, but if we start here. And As I always say, if I ignore these four, <laughs> I'll ignore yeah. the rest. Yeah. So we need to be honest with ourselves there. So that's a quick overview, and I hope that wasn't too complex.
1: Um, it was beautiful. I think having a found that's what's so great about the Bible <laughs> is that we have guidelines. We have we have a foundation that we can go back to when we have questions about the will of God or or, um, or anything else. And you've laid it out so beautifully and so crystal clear. And I love what you said, if, if I'm not willing to do these things, how, you know, how would I be willing to really, really choose God in what job to take or not? Am I going to am I going to submit to what he wants or am I going to do what I want? I feel like I get so many questions um, and I think I think most ministries do. I think this is a very common question that is asked, um, what is the will of God for my life? When, when you get that question, I just want to ask you very personally, when you get that question, do you refer the, the, them to these four foundational wills?
0: Well, I've been using these for almost 40 years. Married, Sarah and I have been married 44 years, and I've been in ministry 40 years. And, yeah, and I always compliment the person who says, I want to know God's will for my life. And I just say, I click my heels and I salute you. And I say, I, I just wish your tribe would increase. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. But then I say, let me ask you a question. Are you asking what is God's will for your life? Or are you asking what is God's will? Mm. And I said those are two different questions. They could be the same, but many times I'm saying, Lord, should I marry this person? Should I take this job? Lord, do you want me to make a billion dollars this year or next year? We can start to move into some very self-focused, you know, uh, interest. And so the challenge always is to pause for a moment and say, what is God's will? And that's why this is so exciting. These four wills if I align myself and I share story after story in the book of people who align themselves with that and how that triggered their unique experience of God, God responds to this. I mean, God is God. We're not. Yeah. But when I align my heart with his heart, then he begins to respond to things that are on my heart. Mm-hmm. If I come to him and I say, hey, Lord, um, I want you to do this for me. That's James who said, you you receive not because you asked for, with wrong motives. Yeah. The heart's not right. And we're all we all have a proclivity toward that. None of us are purists in that regard. But there comes a moment when we say, Lord, I'm not going to be afraid of your will. I want your will. And I want to align myself with these four. And then Lord, as I've done that, now I ask you, should I marry this person? Should mm-hmm. I go to Portland? Should I take this job? Then that person I think is in the best position to hear that still small voice. Mm-hmm. That's when this begins to get exciting. But if I come, let's say in the college town hey, pastor, we're trying to decide whether we should marry each other. Mm. But yet they're living together, and they know as Christ followers, we can't tell the world what to do, but they know as Christ followers, they're quenching the spirit of Christ, they're, they're living in sexual sin. And I always say, I care deeply about you, but you're, you're getting the cart before the horse. You're saying, we want to know if God wants us to marry. And I said, that's to be applauded, but you're living together. And so let me see if I get this straight. You're already telling God, I'm not going to obey your will. But now you're coming to me today to find out what his will is. It (laughs) seems to me you've already made a decision that you really don't (laughs) want to do God's will if it entails something that's going to cost you something. I say it tenderly. I say it pastorally. But I'm telling you that I've got to hear the same thing from the scriptures, and it doesn't work this way. You can subscribe to an antiquated worldview. You can say that we're outdated, we're buddy duddies or you can say, no, I believe what the scripture is saying here, and I've got to align myself with this first. So let's do first things first. Let's physically separate. Let's become mm-hmm. a little bit more accountable. Then let's get back together and begin to address whether we believe this relationship is of God. And certainly there have been people who said to me, when you write this book and you put that in there, Emerson, book sales will be a complete failure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the millennials don't want to hear this. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that.
1: I don't believe it either. I believe I believe there are many
0: who are listening who have a hunger to be used of God. And Jesus said, the pure in heart shall see him and will experience our Abba Father. And we have to come to a point where that's the deepest longing of our heart. There is a price to pay, but there's a price to pay on either side of this equation.
1: This is the bold truth that we talk about on the show a lot. Being bold, saying the thing that people don't want to say or, you know, maybe shy away from. Or sometimes we say it too nicely in the Christian world. Sometimes we syrup it up too much. I love that you're talking about sexual purity because it's very, very true in a situation like that where a couple is living together. Hey, we want to we want to know the will of God. They want the benefit of the will of God without the sacrifice of obedience And we need to sort of wake up a little bit and understand that just like you just said, obedience does cost us something, but it's worth it when we see the benefit of God interacting with our life, guiding us, leading us, and just the fruit that comes from obedience. So you also made a statement. You just said uh, this not too long ago. It's hard to miss his will if I'm in his will. Can you talk about that a a little bit? I I know you've kind of talked about it uh, a a little bit broadly, but can you zero in on that? It's hard to miss his will if I'm in his will.
0: Yes, and I remember uh, kind of the moment in my life when I suddenly realized if I'm actively trusting Christ, which is John 640, if I'm walking in moral purity, if I'm uh, giving thanks as best I know how, I'm not shaking my fist at God, I'm saying, Lord, I, I don't understand, but I thank you that you're working everything together for good. I'm submitting and doing what's right, which means I could get away with doing what's wrong, but I do what I do before an audience of one. Mm. And so even though it may be stupid to some people that you didn't lie, cheat, or steal because you could definitely get away with it, you, you check in your spirit and say, no, the Lord, I'm going to do what's right, even if it may cost me a little bit. If I'm aligned with that, the bags, believing in Jesus Christ actively, uh, walking in moral purity, abstaining from that sexual sin, giving thanks and everything, submitting doing what's right. I'm doing His will, and I'm not only doing His will. These are central issues because they were highlighted in gold, so to speak, in the New Testament. This is Abba Father saying, I want the Church to understand. It's interesting, mm. John 3.16, we all know. That's not John 1.1, per se, John 3.16, but Romans 8.28, that's not Romans 8.1, it's 8.28. What is it about text that seem to surface as cream comes to the top? There are certain things that we all lean on. Trust. Don't trust in your own heart, but lean on the Lord. You know, we all have these Verses that we kind of just instinctively remember. Well, these verses that I've highlighted in the book need to have that same kind of, of uh, weight. They need to be looked at as very precious to the mm-hmm. Father, and that if we respond to those, if we're doing these, then we're not going to miss His will because we're doing His will, which is the question you're asking. I remember that day, I thought, wait a minute, how can I be missing God's will when I'm doing His will? There were times (laughs) when I didn't know whether to go left or right, but I began to give thanks. Mm. I just began to worship the Lord as best I knew how. I always fall short in this. But I knew that the minute I began to give thanks, I was in His will, even though I didn't have an answer for that decision. So even though I didn't know what His purpose was on A or B, I certainly know I wasn't missing it as I was giving Him thanks, submitting and doing what's right maintaining my moral purity, and just actively trusting Christ. It, it was so rich, Autumn. Mm. It was such a liberating moment. Yeah. And then I suddenly realized that I was pleasing God. And then I realized you know, I could find pleasure in simply pleasing God. Mm. And then I realized it's really, at the end of the day, secondary about whether I go A or B. It's really about pleasing Him and finding pleasure in pleasing Him and, and just
2: relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> and and
0: what, a, what a weight went off on of my shoulders. It was an incredible thing. I could be relaxed. Yeah. I didn't have to fear yeah. that I was missing his will. Yeah. I didn't have to fear that. And he was fully capable of responding to me as I actively acted on those four wills. He's fully capable of, he's sovereign of responding to me. So I, I, I was even more relaxed, more relaxed.
1: I love that you, you talk. I, I, uh, we're going to run out of time and it's going to drive me nuts because I want to talk to you. I could talk to you all day. So you, t- you talk about this idea of liberating. And I really do think, um, I know in the questions that we get in our ministry, most of them are from women um, asking about the will of God. It's, it's almost like they have tortured themselves. <laughs> and they're like, I've been praying about this for months, for sometimes years about what direction do I take? Um, what d- do, I, do I go back to school? Do I not go back to school? Am I a stay-at-home mom? Am I not a stay-at-home mom? They're torturing themselves, and, and, and this is one way where uh, getting this book and reading it and, and focusing on these four things as foundations is liberating. It is liberating. when you're, This is the way to walk in the will of God is what you're saying. Is that right?
0: Well, absolutely, and we have to remind ourselves there are what we call gray areas. Romans 14, some could eat meat, some couldn't. Some worship on this day, some worship on that day. And Paul makes the statement, quit judging each other. Each must respond to their conscience and their convictions. There's mm-hmm. not a right or wrong answer. And part of what we do is we think, well, if I, if I go back to school, maybe it's the wrong thing. And if I don't go back to the school, maybe I haven't done the right thing. And that panic sets in, mm-hmm. the paralysis of analysis that we reference.
2: Yeah. And one of the
0: points I make is, look, there come moments when the Lord says, he said to Adam, he wanted to see what Adam named the animal. There is this tremendous liberty. In yeah. Acts 13, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work I have for them to do. But in Acts 15, the issue of circumcision arose, and the Lord didn't give a prophetic word. The whole leadership had to come back and debate it, and then they said, we did what seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. And I unpacked this idea of doing what seems good. In Hebrews, parents discipline based on what seemed best. And I, I developed theologically this idea of the subjective, that a God, God allows us to enter into those things to make a decision on our own. Do what seems best. Yeah. Do what seems good. And so you are entrusted with this. And if you move forward to go back to school and realize it wasn't a good choice, you didn't miss the will of God in going in the first place. And you're not missing a leading. As long as you're actively trusting Christ as best you know how, giving things, etc. then relax. Now, mm-hmm. there are moments when God will reveal to us very specifically, I believe persecuted believers are receiving signs and wonders and so on. And so on. I believe in that. I believe God works powerfully but that even with the prophets of old there would be three decades between miracles yeah I mean, there's a whole lot of slow time that's right they, they asked the question about jesus did he have any miracles before age 30 of the wedding of canaan the only thing they could remember is that age 12 in the temple yeah so our our own lord from age zero to 30 basically nothing happened so those who are thinking i'm i'm missing the will of god relax Mm -hmm. A person who's in prison right now, if you just say, Lord, I trust you today, I'm giving thanks to you, I'm walking in moral purity, I'm going to submit and doing what's right, you are touching the heart of God, you're doing the will of God, now relax. Mm -hmm. Now, those specific things that are in your heart, just give them over to him. Mm -hmm. He's fully capable of responding to that. But if, if you don't know, you don't have to panic because you're touching the heart of God by following
1: the four will. And listening. I think listening is another thing. Listening when he says, okay, now I do want you to marry or now I do want you to do this. I think there are times when he does speak to us very clearly as well, like you just said. You said this several times, being honest with yourself. When it comes to are you honestly following these four wills this this b-a-g-s this bags that you gave to us i think that is something that when we peel back the layers on some of these questions about god what do you want me to do it's so liberating to say okay let me let me go back to this and be honest i mean sexual purity today is huge so huge i have a nine-year-old son we've already had to talk to him um, about things that other kids have exposed him to at an early age. And, and it's we're we're fighting that. And he's nine. Um, you know, we know that it's going to be a fight in, in anyone's life. There's temptations, but it's going to be a fight that we're going to, he, we're going to, we're going to tell him to be honest about and confront with, uh, with, you know, the word of God and, and, you know, the different tools that we, that we have given him. But, when you talk about being honest with yourself um i think that is where some sometimes in my experience people aren't they're not honest with the fact I believe people are walking around and they're not even believers, but they think that they are, but they've never really truly surrendered um, to Christ. Can you talk about that, that concept of just being honest about where you actually are, not, not your Instagram self, not your social media self, but where you actually are with these four wills.
0: Yeah. And I think that is fundamental to this. And I think all of us, uh, you know, are going to have some self deception. None of us can know ourselves perfectly, but That's why the conscience is given. So, for instance, you know, if we hear, well, if I do these four wills, then I'm free to go through door A and door B. Yeah, I'm making that point. Yes, you are. But that means after you go through the door, you're going to continue to do the four wills, that we're going to continue to abide. If we say, well, this gives me freedom, liberty now, gives me license to kind of do whatever I want, then that's not being honest with yourself. But here's the interesting thing. This teaching on freedom and liberty was so huge Mm that the Jews who were under the law, they had to keep all of these laws, right? Mm-hmm. Then they hear they're forgiven, they're free in Christ. This, this freedom, they could eat a, a ham sandwich. They, they were so <laughs> liberated. There was so much freedom. They could worship on this day or not. There was so much freedom that came to them. This was mind-boggling, and we don't pay enough attention to how liberated they were. Mm-hmm. But that's when you then hear these verses, do not use your freedom as license for sin. Yeah. Paul hits that, Peter hits that that there was so much freedom that each person had to be honest. Am I now exercising this freedom as a license for sin? And if a person isn't going to be honest with themselves, then what's the point of all of this? Yeah. There comes a moment when we say, you know what? I have freedom, but I'm not going to use that freedom and be lying to myself as a license for sin. I believe God's leading me to New York, and I'm, I'm obeying the four of wills of God. But I know that in New York, there's a whole lot of temptation, and maybe other people are really free to go there, but at the end of the day, I'm going to go under if I do that. Mm. So I have to be honest with myself that I'm probably not going to continue to follow the four wheels, given I'm in a situation that's going to be my undoing. And there comes a moment when each of us just has to step back and say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 this is not in my long-term best interest, and maybe other people are free to do some things, but I'm not really free to do that, and in order for me in an ironic way, to maintain my freedom, I'm not going to do something that's going to cause me to lose it.
1: Yeah, so powerful. Dr. Eckrich, the book is called The Four Wills of God. This is uh, Dr. Eckrich who wrote it. Um, Inspiring, thought-provoking, insightful, biblical, full of truth. Um, Man, you guys need to go out and get this book. Uh, This is something that I think everybody, every believer struggles with. At some point, and I want I want this to be a resource uh, to help you find uh, the will of God for your life and follow it and stick to it and live a life of freedom, abundance, uh, liberation uh, in him. Dr. Akrish, thank you so much for being on our show today.
0: Thank you, Autumn. Excellent questions. Excellent interview. I appreciate your support and your enthusiasm. I love it.
1: Well, I'm passionate. I love the truth. And you just gave us a whole shovel full. (laughs) It was so so good. Uh, Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. You can reach me right back here tomorrow on The Autumn Miles Show.
0: Thanks so much for listening today. The Autumn Miles Program is listener-supported, and your donation to keep it on the air is appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And with a $100 donation or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of Autumn's book, Appointed, Your Future Starts Now. Join us next time
2: for the Autumn Miles Show on The Word, 100.7 FM.